Welcome to the Voice of Truth radio show. I'm your host, State Senator Mike Azinger, accompanied weekly by my co-host, Pastor Brian Leversey. You have a politician and a pastor bringing you the fusion of church and state. So, on the Voice of Truth radio show, we will be engaging in vigorous and robust discussion on culture, history, current events, all from... And this is what matters, a biblical perspective. So if you're listening to 103.9, Praise FM, our email, if you want to contact us, is radiovoiceoftruth at gmail.com, radiovoiceoftruth at gmail.com. All right, Pastor, good to be back in the studio with you. Happy New Year. And I think yes. we should just be honest and say, we've done this already. <laughs> <laughs> I need a drink, Pastor. <laughs> so we just did this segment uh, since uh, since you you outed us. Uh, we just did this segment for a half hour, and it was excellent. It's the best we have ever done, and ever will do. And, and probably the best segment in radio history. I think it, it would have won awards. It would have. Yeah. Uh, but now the world will never know. It was either a not recorded or b deleted, and uh, it, it does I not blame, exist. I blame the deep state. <laughs> <laughs> they must be listening. That's a good thought there. Uh, I hadn't thought about that. Uh, but, you know, I, th- I think that one of the three laws of thermo, uh, thermodynamics says nothing ever ceases to exist. Tim's, uh, Tim Deller's dad could tell us hey. that nothing ever ceases to exist. So it's out there somewhere. It's out there somewhere. The aliens the, are listening to it. Yes, there you go. They're, uh, they're <laughs> revival in alien land. All right. So um, a lot of stuff going on. Oh, man. It's... It, packed end of the year, but we're in a new year yep, now, and, we are. and you're going on a trip here this week. A trip, yes. Uh, if if you haven't heard, it, uh, Trump, a Trump rally. <laughs> you may have seen it on the news. And uh, like I was telling you earlier, yeah, we, we uh, uh, my family and I, you know, we were first we heard about, yeah, let's do it. And then we thought of the logistics and all of the, uh, <laughs> just, just everything you have to do to get to to get that going and, and the hurdles just going and so into DC. Just going into DC. There's supposed to be three and a half million people there. That's like two states of West Virginia. It's unbelievable in DC. And uh, do you think do you, they've ever had park? that many people there a long I don't, time before? I've never heard of anything over a million. Man. And I might be wrong. So if you have a, a record number of a million um, times three and a half, maybe mm. more, maybe less. That that you know that number may not be right. But I heard it several times from from uh, reliable sources, so it's going to be nuts. But uh, we're leaving on a bus. My son and I, Zach, are leaving on a bus tonight at ten o'clock at the Kroger and Southside, driving uh, to Clarksburg, pick, picking up folks there, driving to Morgantown, picking up folks there, and then on to D.C. So it's a six-hour drive from here, plus stops. So we'll be sleeping all night on the bus, Man. getting up in the morning, uh, parking. Uh, they're parking in a hotel parking lot somewhere close to the metro in D.C. So we'll get up, take a half-hour ride on the metro. So I'm a couch guy. Right? <laughs> I like I like This watching. is out of your comfort zone. <laughs> this is way out of my comfort zone. If there's a football game on, yeah, I want to watch the Mountaineers on my couch. I'm not, not interested in the stadium. So – so uh, it it took uh, it, it took a, 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 a copious amount of patriotism to get me going, <laughs> and uh, it, off we go. So my son and I, I'm trying to get my other son who's up at WU. Uh, uh, he wants to go now. He got off work. He's all excited about it. I have a buddy. I'm I've been texting back and forth with, um, who's trying to get on a bus also down in uh, a different location. I set him up, and this gal's not calling him back. So I might. Uh, call them back, or I'm gonna call you out on the radio. <laughs> so we'll be there, Lord willing. We'll well, it should be, there. be. It should be exciting. That's so we'll sure. report. You, you got to get one of those GoPro things and like attach it to your forehead <laughs> so we can see what a sea of three and a half million people looks like. To that try to walk that would be that would be awesome to do. Um, 
it's supposed to be a nice day. It's supposed to be fairly warm and and uh, and sunny. So uh, we'll see how it, how it goes. But but um, you get all the instructions from different people. Look, be prepared. There will be uh, the <laughs> the restrooms are spotty. Bring your own <laughs> toilet paper. I've heard that like twenty times. It's amazing how much toilet paper is <laughs> referred that on to. Right? It <laughs> <He> is. <did. laughs> we already said it. So uh, right. So uh, bottled water, uh, protein bars, fruit, whatever. Uh, backpack. So I got my boy uh, loading up the backpacks uh, as we speak. I got to get the Trump flags. I I fly an American flag on my porch. Uh, have forever, but I have a Trump flag uh, that I've been flying for months now. So I'm gonna have to take it down to take to DC, and I have a couple more in the garage. So we'll load those up. How you do that? I don't know. Do you put it on a uh, stick or whatever? I, I I don't know. I know how I did it. Get in it up Trump as high train. as you can. I know, but <laughs> everyone's gonna have one, so you got to fit in. You right. <laughs> you'll get called Antifa. Where's your Trump flag? Are you with Antifa? <laughs> No, I'm not. I, I, I voted for Trump, so we'll see. So I'll, um, it's it'll be it'll be fun. Getting there is is going to be the pain, you know. So what's everybody doing when they get there? Everyone's going to go to. Uh, there's a couple of main locations. Trump's going to speak. I think at noon. I heard eleven. Then I heard noon. Probably around noon. It'll be uh, hopefully tele- televised. Somebody I hope will, um, and. He's going to speak, and and uh, it's supposed to be a big deal. Uh, the president said it's going to be wild. That's his quote. Yeah. So so we'll see what happens. But uh, a whole bunch of freedom-loving, constitution-loving Americans will be there. Yeah. So, and there's something about people coming together that are of the same mind. There that, is. That you connect on some of those things that are really, you know— uh, huge issues in our culture right now. Yeah. So you have you have three and a half million people that love the Constitution, love the Bill of Rights, the First Amendment, you know, uh, freedom of speech, freedom to assemble, freedom of religion and religious conscience, which are uh, the foundation of our republic. Mm. You know, everybody, you hear these sayings that the Second Amendment protects all the other amendments. I'm a great believer in the Second Amendment, but I don't believe that. I believe the First Amendment protects all the other amendments because you, if you don't have God as your foundation, yeah. then you don't have an America. Mm. You have some other country, and there's a whole bunch of them all around the world that you can mm. pick from, and including the godless Chinese uh, and and others. But but if you want a if you want a free republic with the freedoms that we have, you better have a virtuous republic. Yeah. John Adams said, or you won't have a you won't have a constitutional republic. Well, that's the, the reality of what we see going on in our culture today, too, it's not so much a hatred of America; it's a hatred of God. It People is. don't mind an America that's yeah. without God, right? You they know, prefer they that. Prefer the that. left does. Yeah, you know, sure, um, they want to to uh, kind of uh, morph. America into their own idea, a utopia. Utopia is simply heaven without God. Thank you. Mm. And and uh, if you want heaven without God, again, go go study uh, the gulags of Soviet Russia mm. and the the millions and millions of 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 Soviet citizens that got sucked into those, mm. got pulled out of their beds in their apartments and houses at night, and. Uh, and see if you like a country without God. So, so um, we, we're uh, we're we're heading in in that direction. But but you, you were making some points, Pastor, before we got on the air earlier, um, just about uh, you know our country and and some. You know, I get asked in this a lot. What do we do? What what are our options when we see? you know, corruption and laws being passed that are against freedom or against God or against really the foundation of what our country was founded on. And, uh, you know, what do we do about that? And, you know, I, I know we were even talking how we've been so torn away from the fabric of our freedom and our history of, of understanding even how our Constitution is written and, and how it mentions, you know, militias and it mentions giving rights to American people, whether they be in the majority or in the minority, to be able to stand up for their rights and defend their rights and fight for their rights. And mm. and as a, as a believer, we understand this. We understand all of our rights come from God. Yes. We understand that it doesn't matter uh, 
if you're not right with Jesus, your politics aren't going to make you right. Right. You know, I mean, Jesus has to be the foundation of all of that. And yet we live in a freedom-loving country where we can stewardship freedom steal. Now, 50 years from now, I don't know what America is going to look like, especially if we keep going in this direction. And we'll still need to be faithful to God. But right now, we also need to be faithful to the freedoms that we have. And as an American citizen, I believe we do need to have a voice. We do need to take a stand. I'm glad that we can have rallies and that we can do things to get our voice out there. For far too long, Christians have just allowed themselves to get run over. That's why we have laws that we can murder babies. And that's why uh, we are considering laws that help us to separate from the identity that God has given to us. And to just, you know, say people can do whatever they want and that they can be whatever identity they want to be outside of God's creation. And that's why we have laws that are tearing apart the ordinance and the fabric of marriage and the family. Mm. It's happening because Christians are not standing up. They're afraid. They're not having a voice and they're getting run over. And at some point, if we want to keep our freedoms as Christians, we've got to stewardship that freedom and we have to take a stand. And I would never advocate violence, but there's a difference between violence and there's a difference between defending what's right. And I believe that we do. We're in a unique position as Americans where we need to take a stand and we need to defend that which is right. That's right, because we have truth on our side. And what we mean by that is not some arbitrary truth that that we just came up with uh, in a meeting somewhere. We mean truth— that is defined as uh, natural law, mm. which is Scripture, and uh, the natural law that God gave us through a conscience, through creation, mm. and through Scripture. And this that, is what the Founding Fathers that, relied on. That is what they relied on, and that is what our nation is founded on. Mm. And uh, you'll see uh, the laws of nature, and nature's God, all throughout the founding documents, uh, natural law, and it always means God. That's yeah. what it means. And we mm. talked a little bit uh, about that, uh, about that last week, but uh, in terms of where our law comes from, and uh, our law does not come from evolution. Evolution yeah. was a was a earthquake in 1859 when Darwin's book uh, uh, or Origin of Species came out, and uh, I was reading this morning a. Uh, uh, one lady said that it was a uh, quoted a guy said that it was it was on the Richter scale it was a nine plus hmm. it shook it shook not just the foundations of Great Britain and America but Western civilization so truth has to be has to come from somewhere we have hmm. to define it somewhere it's either relative or it's absolute and we believe it's absolute and that uh, it comes from God's word. And uh, that's that's uh, again what we were. Our nation was founded on. So well, we were talking about you, you. You sent me this tweet, Pastor, uh, from Governor John Trumbull from 1775, who was governor of, of uh, the colony of Connecticut. Yeah, and what's really interesting about this nugget in history is it shows that America really was founded uh, in strength because we had statesmen. <laughs> who looked to God in times of calamity. You know, you get asked a lot with everything that's been going on, all the unrest politically, all the unrest in our government, all the uh, pestilence and disease that we see that's happening around us. What do we do as believers? And and here you have a governor of a British colony at the time because the war for the revolution is just firing up right. and getting going. Mm-hmm. And, and he calls on his colony to enter into a time of prayer and fasting. Yes. And he references the fact that we can't just look at what's going on around us and sweep it under the rug. We have to we have to understand God's involved with this and he's calling us to repent of our sin. He's calling us to get right with him. And so we need to pray, we need to fast, and we need to repent. Yes. And that's something that I believe is greatly missing from our country today. Yeah, we're waving flags and mm. we're getting worked up about our rights and mm. we're 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 going to, you know, rallies and stuff, which is all great. It's all wonderful to have that freedom of speech. But my question is, where's the repentance today? I think that is such an important uh, observation. Uh, you know, in, in our history, our, our founding fathers, even up to Lincoln in the Gettysburg Address, they saw calamities, whether it was pestilence or war or famine, whatever it was that came uh, that came in, and uh, and and swept the colonies, or uh, they saw it as as judgment from God, the mm. hand of God, saying, "Look, shape up." Yeah, they always did, and there's a humility in that. You don't hear that today. 
Now you hear it, I think, more than you did a year ago or two years ago. I'm really encouraged, encouraged frankly, with the way a lot of Christians are standing up. And uh, but, but God doesn't react to or respond to patriotism. Uh, he responds to repentance, That's right. doesn't he? Well, uh, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is is the story of Ahab, married to the infamous Jezebel, and uh, Ahab was a wicked king. He stole Naboth's blizzard, uh, blizzard, <laughs> buzzard. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't steal my blizzard. You've ever been to Dairy Queen? So he stole Naboth's vineyard. Naboth was a good man, had a good family, and uh, Jezebel said steal his vineyard. That was her idea. And they killed Naboth and his whole family. He was a wicked king. Mm-hmm. And there's a verse that says, and I love one of my favorite little pieces of scripture. God says to the prophet, I forget the, which prophet, but God says to the prophet, go tell go tell Ahab that I'm going to give him longer time. I think it's 20 years, something like that. Because uh, Ahab put on sackcloth and ashes. And God said to the prophet, look, Ahab is repenting. He's showing humility. Hmm. And God can't resist humility and repentance. That's right. He? Same thing with the uh, the country of Nineveh back in the Old Testament. Yes. No. You know, Jonah's sent there as a prophet, reluctantly so. He's basically just reading the script when he gets <laughs> there. He he really wants the, the nation to be destroyed. Yes. And so he says his business, and then he goes outside the city, and he waits for the fire to fall, and it doesn't. So he pouts, and he moans, and he yes. complains. But here's a wicked nation who treated God's people wickedly, committed abhorrent actions, and yet God turns his anger and wrath away from that city and doesn't judge them because they simply repented and turned to him. That That is just simply amazing, especially when you think of how ungodly the Ninevites mm. really were. Now, look at us in America, what we've done since 1973. with How many babies in the womb? Millions of them. Millions of them. They don't have any defense. Mm, torn apart. Torn apart. There's nobody pr- to protect them. Uh, that and, and, and copious other just uh, sins that are, are, are a, f- a fist in the face mm. to God in terms of sexuality, mm. in terms of sexual sins. Since the 60s, you know, we, we've basically we kicked God out of schools. We kicked the Bible out of schools, out of government. We said there are no parameters in terms of sexual behavior, and we've removed it from even the discourse um, of it, it the, the context of it being right or wrong. Mm. You can talk about sexuality, just don't talk about it in the context of whether it's right or wrong. How could we not expect God's judgment? How could you not? But somehow, you know, there's, there's things happening. I think that we are seeing God's judgment in some ways. You know, we're starting to see, I think God's saying, look, look, you better pay attention. I'm getting real serious right yeah. now. That's what I think he's saying. And you're you're the pastor. You, uh, you're you're a man of God, and you'd know more than I. Uh, but that's just my sense. Governor John Trumbull said this. Uh, he exhorted the quote ministers and people of all denominations of Christians to observe the same, unfeignedly to humble themselves before God, penitently to confess their sins earnestly to beseech the mercy of God and his gracious return to us. So mm. you have some words there that you don't even hear uh, many preachers say today. Mm. Uh, sin, uh, repentance, hum, uh, humility, humble ourselves before God. Those are terms that are rare rare today, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, even from pulpits. And what mm. I liked about this governor uh, all the way back in this revolutionary time is he called not only for repentant so that God could bless them in their health and uh, in this war that they were in and so on and so forth. But he he actually, if if you look at the whole uh, context of this nugget of history, he calls on people to pray for uh, the churches to grow and to become more robust. He asked them to pray for the ministers that they would lead well in their congregations. Mm-hmm. He asked them to pray for the king of England at the time, who they're at war with, that God would give him direction and give him wisdom and turn his heart towards righteousness. And you can tell that God is really in the spirit of things in leadership when the leadership isn't all about themselves. You know, we got a lot of people out there wanting to fight today and they're wanting to fight for my rights and myself. Yeah. But when the spirit of God is behind something, you really want the heart of God in a matter. Yes. And 
one thing that uh, our founding fathers and our early generations and from from, from most of America, uh, everyone always appreciated and, and fought for freedom and liberty. But it was it wasn't an absolute freedom. Mm-hmm. It was freedom tethered uh, in uh, the the laws of God, right? Constrained by the laws of God, because absolute freedom is uh, anarchy. I, I like to use the analogy of. Um, uh, a freedom that is—it's—it's it's like a river when it's within its banks, it's very productive. Mm-hmm. When it's outside its banks, it's a swamp. And those banks are truth. Yes, freedom only operates fruitfully in truth. Yes, it can—it can only operate. Uh, the truth shall make you free, is what the Bible says. It does. Amen to that. All right, so that's our first segment, and uh, uh, that's our first segment. Segment the second time. <laughs> It was better. Is that an inside joke? I think or we'll we win an award. I think we did. Yeah, I think it's coming. <laughs> so we'll uh, stay by the phone. Uh, someone's going to be calling Marconi Award. All right. So next uh, next segment, we got uh, we got a uh, an article, a great little article. I just happened to find this uh, on Facebook. Somebody posted it. It's several years old. Talks about a uh, a gal who was with the Peace Corps and how she went to an African nation, a Muslim nation, and what she found there uh, that uh, was uh, her, 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 her dream of what she thought it would be kind of dissipated like, a, mm-hmm. like so much fog. And then the last, uh, the last segment, we're going to talk about uh, uh, what's going on with uh, the House of Representatives. They said, hey, we're getting rid of, uh, getting rid of uh, these archaic terms like mother, father, son, and daughter. <laughs> They're they're brilliant out there, aren't oh, they? Man. Thank you, it's unbelievable. Uh, thank you. All right, so this is Mike Azigert, and I'm sitting here with Pastor Brian Leversey. We're with the uh, we have the uh, Voice of Truth Radio Show. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. All right, welcome back to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. You are with uh, State Senator Mike Azinger and Pastor Brian Leversey of Fellowship Baptist Church in uh, in Vienna. We are broadcasting across the Mid Ohio Valley and honored to do to do so. We're just having a blast doing this. We haven't been doing it long, Pastor, but we're having a blast, aren't we? <laughs> we are. Do you think anyone we might else? Be is? The, I think we're the only ones having fun right now. But we invite people to jump on the fun wagon. Yes. Right? Yes, absolutely. Get out one of those little horn things at the birthday party. What do you call those things? I don't even know. It's been so long. But uh, yeah, we are just uh, just here to just to talk about important things from a biblical perspective. Whether it's current events, whether it's history, whether it's you know theology. And I'll, I'll throw those to you, Pastor. But but uh, I think that we have uh, we have a culture today that's that's confused. And in a lot of ways, it's not their fault. And it's confused because there's no leadership, right? There's no vision. Mm -hmm. And the Bible even says where there is no vision, the people perish. And and what you have out there today is you have a lot of confusion. You have a lot of uncertainty because we've picked up a long time ago our moorings from biblical truth, Mm -hmm. and we've moved into relativism. And whenever you move into relativism, it's whatever anyone believes that's their individual designer truth. And so you don't have firm definitions for things, and you don't have firm purposes and callings for life anymore. So really, we are just floating around out there, and we're trying to do things that feel right to us, but that isn't necessarily a good definition for truth. It's certainly not, because feelings are subjective and arbitrary and and change like the wind. Uh, Feelings have a purpose. God gave gave us feelings but it feels good to eat the first snicker bar but the 12th one doesn't feel so good hey how'd you know uh did my wife call you <laughs> i've never had more than six in one yeah seven. whatever <laughs> all right so uh, some things happening out there um this this one just kind of just kind of hit uh hit the the uh media just like a, a thunderclap anyway but this is just absurd and this is you can call it absurd. You can call these people stupid. You can call them whatever you want, but uh, at at their core, they are they are in a rebellion against God. Mm-hmm. And and this is we're talking about Nancy Pelosi. She's introducing in the House rules, um, eliminating words like mother, father, son, 
daughter. Uh, I can't I can't help but laugh. I'm, it's unbelievable. But, but that's and and this is where this is where nations die. This type of stuff. You have one of the most powerful people in the country saying, "Look, we're not going to talk about mother or father anymore. We're not going to talk about son or daughter." Pastor, when you get rid of those words, uh, do you still have a, a definition of family? You know, it reminds me of what's written in the Psalms and in other places of Scripture. The fool has said in his heart, no God. Mm. And when we say no to God and we say no to his design and we say no to his creation and we say no, he doesn't exist, this is what you're left with. You're left with people who are scrambling to try to eliminate every vestige of God. When, when you say there's no more grandmother, you say there's no more father, you're saying there's no more uh, son, daughter, whatever— you're saying there's no God. Is this is not this is not trying to, uh, you know, change vocabulary to make things more pleasant for people who don't agree with things. This is trying. This is another attempt to remove God from the equation. We're not going to listen to God. We're not going to listen to what He has to say about the family. We're not going to listen to what He says about His creation. So we're going to remove. Ev- to to an absurd degree. I mean, it's funny. Somebody pointed out on social media. That when uh, Nancy Pelosi uh, presented this as uh, the new rules of engagement for how they're going to address things in in the Congress, they pulled up one of her social media sites and listed under some of her titles, grandmother. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And you can't be – hey, it's like this. Liberals are never consistent. You can't be consistent when you're in a lie. Do you remember telling a lie when you were a kid and you couldn't – you had to tell another lie and another lie and right. cover that one up, right. and before long you get caught because right. you can't. And they're getting caught. They're they're going out to restaurants and eating without masks. They're going yes. and they're saying, yes. "Do this, follow the science, follow my absurdity, follow my." But they can't even follow their own absurdity because you can't keep up with a lie. You can't, and and that's what liberalism is based on. It's not based on truth. It's based on a lie, and so you have to, like you said, keep covering up. For for things, and you can't live consistently when you're living a lie mm-hmm. because because. Untruth is never consistent. It's 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 based on the Bible tells us that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, and it's exactly what we have today. That's why there's no foundation. We've got this double-mindedness, mm. and it just breeds instability. It does, and we don't. And we, we've got young kids, uh, and, and when you tell kids, a lot of kids, pastor. Uh, grow up with some confusion in their sexuality. It happens. Mm. I mean, it's it were sinful creatures, and, mm. and but most of them, most of the time, they come out fine. They, the mom and dad are with them, and they, you know they they work through it. That I'm I'm talking statistically. Yeah. This is true. Kids that have a problem uh, with with being confused sexually. It's not uncommon, mm. and it's not something to drop, uh, jump off the bridge about. This is something kids usually come around. Mm. But our culture, when we do things like this, our culture is saying, hey, explore. Don't, uh, how dare you tell them what mm. their sexuality is, even though they're obviously biologically one sex or and the other. And then yet they're inconsistent in that because— I watched on social media oh, a couple weeks ago where a church was bringing up children in a gender, I forgot what they even called it, some kind of gender ceremony reveal type thing. And you've got moms bringing up their four-year-old, five-year-old sons and forcing them to say, I've decided I'm a girl. Mm. And yet they're saying, That's you can't amazing. as a mom and dad cultivate the truth Biologically, mm. of who your children are to them. Your biology should inform your sexuality. Your biology obvious. informs it. Your creation. But you, when you want to run from a creator, yes. and you want to be the creator. See, this is what this is. This is man wanting to be the creator. This is a mom mm. wanting to create her boy to be a girl. And and when we eliminate the creator, who do we turn to? We turn to ourselves to be the creator, and we create a mess. You know, you're, uh, I have a book I, I was showing you earlier. It's, it's by a lady named uh, Nancy Piercy, and it's called Love Thy Body. It's about, it's about these uh, sexual wars that man is waging, hmm. uh, but it, it brings it from a Christian perspective and how we should react to folks that do this. And we should, we should always, of course, love, love folks that Absolutely. are— Absolutely. Uh, but, but she has some excellent quotes. And the first time, I just want to make the point here, 
one of the one of the ways we lost this battle, and I think we have lost it because they're running over us in terms of of redefining all of the the sexual things. But we, we let them have the language. We used to say, when I was a kid, I'm 55, when I was a kid growing up in the 70s, you'd fill out the forms of school or whatever, it would say sex, male or female. Mm. We got rid of the word sex. Sex has a definition. It's a biological definition that everybody knows and understands that you're a male or a female. Mm. Gender is, is undefined. Mm. The definitions for gender go into eternity as many as you want to add on mm. to it. When we let them have that redefinition of the of the word sex, get rid of the word sex, and put in gender. It's a new term, Pastor. Yeah. And I, I want every Christian to hear this, and I want you to grab onto this. The reason why we're silent on this is because we have been bullied into believing that we don't love people when we talk about this. Mm. But let me ask you a question. Can you love someone and lie to them at the same time? That's right. And when you lie to people about their biology and their creation and who they are and you try to cover that up, that's that's the true hatred. You hate God. You hate what he's created. You hate what he's declared. And you hate people if they don't line up with your ideology. Hmm. I don't hate people if they don't believe God. I don't hate people if they say I'm a man when they're a woman or I'm a, a woman when they're a man. I don't hate people. I hate the lie yeah. of Satan that right. he puts out there to yeah. try to rip people away from their accountability to a creator. I do hate the lie. I don't hate the people. And I'm glad that God doesn't hate the people. I'm glad God died for each and every person so that they can know true life in him. He did. He did. And he, he gave his son, Jesus Christ, which is, which is how we know uh, that uh, Christianity is true. I, the story of uh, Musab Yusef, who, whose father was one of the, uh, one of the men who started uh, one one of the terrorist organizations in the Middle East, but he was he was on his way to take over his father's position. He was walking home one day. I forget what country he lived in in the Middle East. Uh, somebody, some missionary there, uh, surreptitiously just handed him a track and kept walking. Well, in the track, uh, the track said uh, uh, to forgive your enemies. Hmm. Forgive your enemies, and I think that's I think that's the phrase. He couldn't get over that because that was went contrary to everything he was ever taught to for, to love love your enemies, love mm. your enemies. No, you blow up your enemies. That concept of a god, he said, that has to be God hmm. to love your enemies. That has to be the god, and he became became a God loved, Christian. God loved his enemies. The Bible tells us that while we were yet sinners or his enemies, yes. he died for us. And he took his stripes on 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 the cross. The mm. Lord did. But this uh, is the bad thing about liberalism is it wraps itself up in love, but they lie to people. Mm, that's great. And and you cannot love people and lie to them at the same time. That is a great point. Um Here's a, just a, a couple of quotes from from this book, and, and you can just kind of respond. But these are, uh, I thought, really fascinating. But uh, you know, your brain can be at war with your body. You can say in your in your mind, "Look, I'm not, I'm a guy, but man, I feel like a girl. I should be a girl, or vice versa." Right? Um, you can change your inner, but but uh, should you change your inner feelings and thoughts? to align with your body, or should you change your body to align with your inner thoughts? So we have people that struggle with the trans, with being transgender. What sex am I? And so they say, well, what, what I need to do is I need to align my body with my inner feelings. So we start carving our bodies up. We start changing our bodies from male to female when every single cell, Pastor, every single cell in our body is either male or female, every single the cell, every single molecule in our body is male or female. You can't arbitrarily just emotionally change your sex. Hmm. It doesn't work that way because your biology is your biology. God made your made you a, a boy or a girl, um, down to every single cell. Well, this issue of transgenderism and um, gender confusion uh, used to actually have a medical definition that people referred to, and it was gender dysphoria. And it was a biological problem, a a difficulty, a a corrective 
um, biological issue. And it was uh, treated and it was um, counseled. And there were things that were brought to bear from a, a, a medical and a biological situation. And it's interesting that the Bible even speaks about this. Uh, it's in the Gospel of Matthew, and Jesus is having a conversation really about divorce and remarriage. And in that whole conversation, he says, there are those that are eunuchs, either because they were born eunuchs or they have uh, been made eunuchs by men, or they have chosen to be eunuchs in the sense that I'm going to stay celibate and just you know turn my life over to the Lord. So he says, because of a broken, sinful world, we struggle with things like sin and divorce and loneliness and all of these issues. I mean, gender dysphoria is not the only issue that exists because of a sinful, broken world. But it's right now what's being highlighted because people want to use it as a vehicle to uh, uh, reject the existence of a creator with design. But, you know, we, we, we treated that, that gender dysphoria, as a biological issue that needed to be dealt with biologically and, and with counseling. Right. Uh, you know, when you go in for any other biological problem, if you have a heart attack, you, you can't just in your mind say, well, I don't feel like having a heart anymore, so I'm just not going to deal with the biological issue. Right. Uh, you don't go in for a stroke and say, well, I don't feel like having the left side of my brain anymore. It just doesn't exist. And so I'm not going to deal with the issue that's there. So when you have a biological male who's struggling with identity or you have a biological female who's struggling with identity, there is a biological problem that needs to be dealt with there. And all biological problems, all breakdowns in our body point us to the fact that we're imperfect. We're sinners. We have the curse of sin. Uh, In Romans chapter 8, the Bible says that our bodies groan and ache because of the stress of of what sin has brought to bear. But instead of dealing with the sin issue and turning to the Creator and following His plan for our life, we exacerbate the problem because we deny the Creator and we inflate this problem to not be a problem and say, oh no, you have to philosophically, spiritually, and whatever deny a creator. And then really there's no solution. In fact, you'll find many studies that indicate that suicide rates uh, skyrocket with people who do work on their bodies to try to bring it into alignment with their confusion instead of deal with the biological issue. The the suicide rate among transgender folks is so high that you would think that it would be some kind of a major scandal, but it's it's swept under the rug mm. because uh, you know if you if you are at war with your biology like that, then what what can you expect except to be uh, depressed or suicidal mm. or right. with a, a certain chaos in your mind? Let me just read a couple quotes here. We're talking about uh, this is a this is a quote from a cardiologist. Her name's Paula Johnson. She was doing a TED talk. I don't know if you I know TED mm-hmm. talks because my son I've never. Never watched one, but he has. But uh, she said every cell has a sex, and what that means is that men and women are different down to the cellular and molecular level. It means that we're different across all of our organs, from our brains to our hearts, our lungs, and our joints. Wow. So if you go into the hospital to uh, have some kind of serious problem taken care of, it might be important that the doctor understands what biology you are. Yeah. And you may not want to hide it at that time because obviously you can't biologically because every cell uh, has a sex, as the doctor said. So uh, one more quote from Nancy Piercy from this book, Love Thy Body. When gender is severed from biology, and that's what they're doing, they're severing their gender from biology, it becomes something we can choose. So we sever it, hey, sever it from the biology, then it becomes something we can choose, and therefore something we can change. <laughs> so if we can choose our gender, we can change it back and forth also. And speaking of which, you know, a lot of these transgender people, uh, they cha- they have some kind of a, a sex change, and then, uh-oh, I didn't want to do this, and 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 they're they're messed up so badly that, but but you can also uh, Google on YouTube or whatever, uh, search on YouTube for these these testimonies of how, what the Lord has done in, in the lives of transgenders. I, I, in my right. Facebook feed, I have, uh, oh, I forget the name of it, but it's, it's testimonies from uh, former transgender people and uh, former homosexuals that came to the Lord and how their lives were changed. Those are the best ones, Pastor. Mm. These people that were deep in sin and deep into 
confusion, and the and, and the devil had him uh, just in the corner, beating beating the pulp out of him. Mm. And the Lord stepped in, and how their lives are uh, can be changed. It's it's really a it's a it's a wonderful thing. One of my when I first got into uh, politics back in '98, uh, personally, uh, I I met I met a guy who was. Um, uh, he used to be an activist for the homosexual cause. He would debate Christians, and he would travel. He's from Ohio, and he said every time he stopped in Columbus, he would stop at certain porn shops and watch watch you know gay porn on 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 wherever he went. And uh, he was watching uh, CBN one one night, and, and he got saved. And he's mm-hmm. he's an activist right now in New Jersey with a with a family policy organization up in New Jersey. But God got a hold of his life, mm. and the Lord transformed his life. So there's always hope in Jesus Christ. That's the grace of God. And we got to get a hold of this, too, because this is the ridiculous nature of perpetuating this lie regarding not just biological gender, but then as as we started the conversation, in our reference points to gender, in, in our in our definitions of life, you know, <laughs> this is showing up now. The 117th Congress opened in prayer with one of the representatives. First of all, praying to every god under this, <laughs> every every idol and every god under the sun. I think he prayed to some Hindu gods and Muslim god, and you know, you whatever. don't want to exclude just, anybody. Yeah, right? I don't think he got everybody in there, even trying to do that. But but really, there's been a lot of attention on how he ended his prayer, and it just shows. The utter nonsense that you that you drift into when you have this agenda of trying to pull away from from these these anchor points of truth about who we are. Mm-hmm. And he ends his prayer, he says he praised all these gods. And then he says, Amen. Which which <laughs> Amen is is a What does that mean by the it, way? It basically Can you means that? I'm in agreement. Yes. That's so. what it means. It has nothing to do with gender. It has nothing to do with men and women. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's become a colloquialism. Yeah, Everybody a, says, yeah, amen. amen. Yeah, it we, means we, I everybody agree. Everybody knows what it means. Right. I agree. But he closes his prayer trying to be woke, you know, trying to trying to show, hey, we want to be equal here. He says, amen, <laughs> and a woman. <laughs> a woman. And he's being mocked. Donald Trump Jr. mocked him mercilessly, mercilessly <laughs> last night. So I, I put like three uh, three different memes on my Facebook page right after that. And some about when you do a meme, you think you're the one that wrote it, and so <laughs> you, all the likes you get, you think are for you. But all you're doing, but but some really smart people do these, and uh, it's a couple sitting at a restaurant, and they're holding <laughs> they're holding a menu. So on the front of the guys, it says menu, and on the front of the girls' menu, it says woman you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you and that's can be about absurd, the ridiculous. Well, you can be of, absurd oh, ad man. infinitum with that, right? Because because you don't have any clear-cut uh, definitions or boundaries when you when you leave truth, and that's just a great example of it. And so is gender. The word gender, when you leave truth, you create words like gender without any boundaries, yeah. so that you can go off into any direction you want. You know, and this is what the Bible says about this nonsense. It says that wisdom is known by her children. Mm. In other words, wisdom is known by the fruit that's produced out of it. Yes. And you can tell that there's no wisdom when you've got Mm. somebody, people voted into a high place of leadership, and you find that, hey, that's a nice tune. That's a good background. I like that. Is that your guy getting back to you about your bus tickets? No, it's not, actually. Oh, man. (laughs) <laughs> it's a debt collector. Can I take this? <laughs> hey, let's deal They're with this on. Call me. Let's deal Did with this on the air. But wisdom is known by her children, and you can see what this ludicrousness is producing. It's producing this. I mean, here's a guy who's voted into Congress, right? He's representing his district. He's representing uh, a number of people. They voted for him. They want him to be intelligent. They want him to be. Yes. You know, speaking on their behalf, he represents them, right. and that's a poor representation. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and sadly, uh, I think probably a lot of his constituents uh, a agree with him, yeah, or b just have no clue who he is. He's a sharp looking guy. He sounds good. He's, he, you know, he's a good communicator, uh, and he's a he's I think a pastor also. But uh, Lord, please, uh, you know, he'll answer. He'll answer for for what mm-hmm. he did. Absolutely for for the these this false doctrine that he's mm. preaching about uh, uh, you know he, uh, 
I forget what, what denomination. I think I remember, but but so you know what he's saying behind his pulpit. Mm. Uh, he's probably you know I'm most certainly a wolf in sheep's clothing. I, mm. I would not want to stand before God having spent my life as a wolf in sheep's clothing, mm. and and uh, be not many masters, you know. Uh, as a pastor, you, you you've got the you're going to have to answer for uh, more than most of us because you preach preach yeah. the truth and and you do a good job at it. By the way, Sunday, uh, my wife and I uh, loved most of it. There was a few things we'd like you to not say next time, but <laughs> we'll get. To... <laughs> hey, I'll just add them to the emails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So anyway, all right. Well, uh, if do you have any other comments on that uh, that whole situation? But we'll. We'll see what happens uh, because Pelosi. One thing about one, one thing about the left is that they don't back down because no. it's it's their god. Mm. Uh, you know, government's their god, and uh, uh, you know their god is raging against God mm-hmm. in some in some ways. So, no more mother, father, son, daughter, and so on. These these uh, God given uh, titles. You know, these aren't exactly how. God says it, but your sons and your sons' sons and mm-hmm. your you know sons to how many generations and so on. But but God works in families, doesn't He? He does. And uh, uh, and when we when we forsake that, and that and this is just another point of where uh, patriotism is wonderful, but it's not going to get it. All right. Yeah. We got to repent of this kind of That's stuff. That's it. Right. And until you repent of it, call it sin, and turn from it, it will always stick around. To wreak its havoc, mm. you know. It will. Y- you know, even with the nation of Israel, Joshua encouraged them: Do not come into the new land. Do not come into the promised land, bringing your idols from the heathen nations. Yes. Get rid of them right now, because if you bring them in, they're going to cause you to turn your heart away from God. And guess what happened? They brought them in, and they went into captivity. The first little sighting of a god back then with the Israelites. If somebody came up to you, this is in the law of God. I'm paraphrasing, but if somebody comes up to you, hey, I got a, I got a God. Come here, and, come here and look at my God. You're supposed to take him to, to, to the government and and be stoned, right? Mm-hmm. That's how serious God was. Because if 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 it like I heard one preacher say, you got to resist bad beginnings. Yeah. Because if you have a bad beginning, even the slightest. It's going to grow exponentially, yeah. and and then I you'll be. That, I learned that fishing. I learned that going out in uh, in kind of stormy, cold, foggy weather off the coast of Southern California, and uh, being on one of those fishing boats and trying to make your way back into shore. And if your instrumentation isn't working well, if it's if it's gone bad, and you get a little bit of off course in the beginning of your trip back, by the time you get to that shoreline. You're way off course mm. over the, the journey that you take. Well, that's a good illustration. All right, you're listening to Voice of Truth radio show with uh, State Senator Mike Azinger, Pastor Brian Leversey, and we'll be back after this. All right, welcome back to the Voice of Truth radio show, your host, Right here with you, State Senator Mike Azinger, accompanied with uh, my co-host, Pastor Brian Leversey. Pastor, we are in our last segment here. Going to wrap it up. And um, so uh, we're just going to kind of uh, yak for a second about, you know, what we did over the holidays, bore everyone to death. And uh, <laughs> and show pictures that they can't see because <laughs> right, we're on radio. <laughs> right. I had a thought about this. You know, I was, I was thinking about radio in the old days where you couldn't. Uh, you couldn't show anything on the radio. And, you know, nowadays, I've been watch, watching a lot of videos lately, mm-hmm. as you can imagine, on the whole election thing. But everybody, there's been like a, a fusion of radio and TV because these mm-hmm. these videos are guys talking and then they'll pull up, they'll pull up something uh, that, you, that you can look at on the computer or show yourself. It's like live streaming the radio show almost. Yes, yeah. that's exactly what it is. So we we could live stream here, but you don't want to see us. Uh, pro- <laughs> We're true <I> radio faces. <laughs> we, are, we are born for radio. Uh, so anyway, uh, but uh, a, a lot going on, and in, in, uh, just in terms of, of, of 
people being sequestered in their homes and and yeah. confined and not being able to go out. We'll probably to do a whole and, segment on that. You know, there's a lot of reports we'll coming out. Week. Yeah, we're, we're, a lot of reports coming out about you know how um, many fewer people are coming back to church. Um, I think we experienced during the holiday season. You know, a lot of families not getting together, and and you know, to a certain level, you understand that you want people getting sick, you don't want people catching diseases, you don't want any of this happening. But it's been disease and pestilence around for a long time. I I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring in maybe some information for us to look at about even in church history through other pandemics that have yes. happened and yeah. and uh, you know pestilences that have existed. What Christians did, how they responded. That, and, that's a that I think that would be a great idea. I think. A lot of people confused. You know, should, should I go to church? Am I going to get sick? And and uh, um, and and you've made uh, you've made the point at church. I I go to your church here, but, <laughs> but I, I I promise a lot of pastors all over the Mid Ohio Valley, all over the country, uh, had the had the same the same problem. But uh, uh, you know, people don't know what to do hmm. a lot of times. A lot of times, people are scared. Uh, it's my opinion, you know, we come, you know, we come to church and you, you don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together and, right. and so on. Well, I just think of all the people and, and ministry that doesn't go on when you're not around people. Ministry is people. It's not paperwork. It's not, you know, uh, videoing this or that or the other thing. If you're not rubbing elbows with people, then you can't minister to them. And it's it's interesting how all throughout history, Christians have been the one that have run to the front lines. They're the ones who have hazarded their lives. To. Yeah. But this is the thing about, and we'll probably talk about it in more depth, but I don't think Christians value what they're called to do as much anymore. I think Christians have been made to believe it's non-essential to be a Christian, that people's souls don't matter as much as people's bodies, that, mm. you know, uh, boy, I just fear this virus. And I may die or someone around me may die. Well, they may live 80 more years and still die and go to hell because they don't know Jesus. So, mm-hmm. you know, you have a sense of urgency all throughout Scripture that regardless if there is, you know, um, persecution or famine or peril or nakedness or sword, that we're to be faithful to what God's called us to do. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, you made a point, uh, this has probably been a month or two ago, but just in terms of how it affects, you know, because God does say don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. So you know that there's going something going on. It's like it's like it's like the verse eat thou honey. He says eat honey. He doesn't say why. He doesn't give all the things it does to you. So I stick a little honey in my in my cereal bowl every morning. Don't, uh, assemble together because he doesn't say why. He doesn't give a lot of whys, but I guarantee you there's a lot of whys. Mm. And you made the point and maybe maybe you could uh reiterate or just uh uh, expound uh, a little bit on what happens to Christians when we when we don't assemble together in terms of our thinking and so yeah, on. Well, I mean, obviously, when you're isolated, you have an echo chamber to yourself. So I think I think we'll build on that next seg- next segment when we get okay. back together again, and it'll be some good talks that we'll have about Great. that. And we'll do that. We are out of time. Uh, we are being uh, a flag. Turn off. Shut up and go away. But you've been listening to the Voice of Truth radio show. We've been having a blast. This is Mike Azinger with Brian Leversey. We'll be back next week. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Have a great day. I will choose to listen.